Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23rd, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. Many suffering from substance use disorder have lost their driver's license, their cars, and any means of transportation. For them, something as simple as obtaining reliable transportation to treatment can be an insurmountable obstacle to recovery. St. Vincent Charity Medical Center, Cleveland's faith-based, high-quality healthcare provider, noticed that just 62% of their intensive outpatient program patients were successfully completing the five-week IOP program at St. Vincent's Rosary Hall. Lack of transportation was the most frequent reason cited for those who dropped out of the program. The leadership team at St. Vincent came up with an innovative way to remove that obstacle, free Uber rides. We're here with Tom Olmsted, Director of University Partner Collaborations, to start the conversation on this new and innovative pilot program providing free rides to IOP treatment. So, Tom, welcome. Thank you, Greg. Good to be here. Okay. So let's start off by kind of, can you frame the problem for us? Why is transportation such a big challenge for people in recovery? Well, you, you mentioned uh, the personal challenges that these, that these people face uh, getting to treatment. And um, we started to look at uh, quantifying what those numbers look like. Uh, and then... From there, how could we, what could we do in terms of, of providing a solution to overcome whatever barriers there were? were. And we, we found out that, that the transportation component was significant. But in the 30 days prior to launching the program, uh, we had about a 75% participation rate. So 25% of the folks that were, uh, were in the program were, were not showing up. Uh, and um, in addition to that, uh, about 62% of the of the people who uh, were uh, scheduled for assessments were showing up. So essentially 40% were not showing up for their assessments. So it was clearly a significant problem, and we needed to find out a solution for the problem. And so all along, they had some things that you were helping them with, bus mm-hmm. passes and what have you, mm-hmm. So, but that didn't even work. No, it, it, it solves part of the problem, um, and, and that's the cost side. Um, but imagine uh, living in Cleveland, Ohio, getting on a bus in the middle of February when it's 10 degrees out, uh, and then perhaps even having to take a second bus, or, or standing on a street corner and your friends pass by and say, hey, hey, come on, hop in the car, let's go. 
um, it, it's it's not just the cost. It's it's uh, a method that would provide them with direct transportation to and from intensive outpatient in a way that would provide dignity and the opportunity to not just consider w- what they're doing in terms of, of, of trying to overcome this disease, but also in that kind of, of personal environment, uh, utilizing an Uber, um, what did they take away from the sessions that they were in? Imagine going through uh, IOP uh, for three hours plus and then getting on a bus. It, it's difficult to, to be able to focus on what you just came from. What did you just learn? But if you put them in an environment where they are, where it's quiet and where they can reflect, we think that there's real value in that. And that's part of what we're going to be doing in terms of looking at outcomes for this. So how did you come up with the idea to use Uber to solve this problem? Well, we, we took a traditional route, um, which is uh, challenging, um, looking at, at uh, using vans and, and, and those kinds of, of, of uh, methods. Uh, and it became clear pretty quickly that um, logistically it, it wouldn't help in terms of really enhancing um, uh, what IOP is all about. These people would, would get on a bus and they'd have to go to multiple stops and they might be on the bus a couple hours. Or not everyone could fit on a bus and they'd be sitting back at the hospital for a couple of hours. And so, so that just innately didn't make sense to us. So we started to look at alternatives um, and uh, literally across the country. And we found uh, transportation programs similar to this that were being used for primary care and other specialties at hospitals um, for a number of reasons, not the least of which was they were patients weren't showing up, uh, and there's a cost associated with that. There's a, there's, a, there's a loss in terms of cost, and then there's also a loss in terms of revenues. So from there, we did some more investigation and found out that the core model for this um, made sense to us, but no one was doing it in uh, addiction medicine or in behavioral health. So we had to think in terms of, of how could we apply it to this. And as a result of that, um, we, uh, we researched a company called Circulation on the East Coast that had come up with a web-based platform that would interface with Uber and help us manage the process, both in terms of the front end on the ride side, if you will, but also on the back end in terms of, of uh, the, the accounting component, um, outcomes, uh, data. Uh, and that was really beneficial because what that's going to do, it's going to allow us to conduct research and measure real outcomes. And not just outcomes in terms of how many people took rides or how, what, what was the distance, although it's been pretty significant. We, we have, in the first eight and a half weeks, we've provided 256 rides uh, that have spanned, interestingly enough, over 1,700 miles uh, with 15 new clients. Wow. And, uh, and the most important piece of all of that is that we have a 100% attendance rate. Not one of those new clients has missed a session. That's so huge. It is. So how long was this in the planning process? And what, what kind of backing did it take to get it off the ground there, Tom? We, we went through a pretty th- comprehensive uh, assessment of what this plan would look like um, in terms of the operational side of it, the cost side of it, all of those things. Uh, and that took us about uh, two months or so, not very long. Um, 
and I, and I, I, I want to say again that um, w one of the driving factors of this uh, program was we have a strong history in treating addiction here at, at St. Vincent. Uh, and um, and we also have a good sense of of a vision for the future, both in terms of treatment, research, uh, education, and those kinds of programs. More importantly, though, we need to we needed to think about what can we be doing right now to help people. There are people walking out of detox tonight that are going to go back to their environments, which means using. Because they're going right into withdrawal. Essentially. So so this was one way where there wouldn't be a huge upfront capital cost. Uh, and the logistics of it, given our relationships with the sober living communities, uh, logistically, um, th there weren't insurmountable challenges. So w we knew it was going to cost us a fairly significant amount of money to get it up and running. But we were willing to um, to do that. Um, but in, in, in parallel with that, we we looked for funding. And in fact, we received a $45,000 grant from the Adams Board here in Cuyahoga County to help us with the startup of the program. And, um, uh, and we've also been pursuing other uh, foundational grants uh, to supplement that. And our, we're, we're excited and hopeful that that's going to happen also. Outstanding. So for other communities out there that are listening to this podcast and would like to set up a program similar to this, what advice would you give them? I would suggest that um, number one, it is it's not a process that is difficult uh, to uh, to initiate. Uh, if you do it right, you'll you'll be able to look at all of the challenges that you that you might be faced with, whether it's HIPAA, um, whether it's cost, um, whether it's technology, whatever those are. Um, we've gone down that path. And and we realize that that it, it's it's while it's taken some time, it's a program that can easily be replicated, uh, and if if there's an interest uh, in learning more about how we can help, please feel free to reach out to us. And how would they do that, Tom? Tom T H O M dot Olmsted O L M S T E A D at Saint Vincent Charity dot com Saint Vincent Charity one word, uh, and they can also reach out to. Uh, Rosary Hall directly, and they'll be able to be uh, directed accordingly. Outstanding. Well, thanks, Tom. Appreciate your time today. We really appreciate yours. We've been visiting today with Tom Olmsted, Director of University Collaboration at St. Vincent Charity Medical Center. My next guest is Orlando Howard from Rosary Hall. He is the manager of outpatient treatment services. So, Orlando, welcome. Thank you, Greg. It's great to see you again. Same here. So tell us a little bit about some of the challenges. Uh, we, we had a chance to talk with Tom Olmstead a little bit earlier about some of the, the challenges that your patients face when it comes to transportation. Maybe you can bring it down a, a level and tell us just in a little bit more detail about what you've witnessed in terms of those challenges. Well, Greg, I've been working in the field of substance abuse and mental health for the last 25 years. And one of the biggest barriers that I've seen throughout my career to treatment has been transportation. And in 2017, when you look at the cost of transportation, let's take a bus pass, for instance. An all-day bus pass just went up to $5.50. That's all day for one day. A client that attends intensive outpatient treatment 
it's a four-day uh, treatment week. Mm-hmm. And you multiply that times five weeks. So it could end up being $25 a week for someone who has just been diagnosed with the substance use disorder that spends $200 a week on a drug of abuse or drug of dependence. And then we turn around and we ask them to get the treatment using $25 a week um, uh, for a bus pass. Money they don't have. Money that they do not have. And then you also have to look at weather. You know, Tom talked about the weather. You know, when it's cold outside and it's minus 10 wind chill factor and a client's standing at a bus stop, how long do you think he's, he or she's going to stand there before they make a decision to turn around and go back home and say, it's really too cold to go to group? You came up with a just a great program, innovative program to address that. How long has the program of giving free Uber rides been in place? And what did it take from your perspective to get it off the ground, Orlando? Well, Greg, it started around mid-June, and we started a pilot program, and we're still in that pilot phase uh, by the way, and we have started with about 15 individuals in the program. Um, to get it off the ground, we decided which population of the sober community did we want to work with. So we researched and found out that, as I know and you know, and many people in the substance use disorder community understands that there aren't a lot of residential treatment programs for people coming out of detoxes. But the sober houses are uh, popping up uh, just about everywhere. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because, folks, being in sober housing, if you can't get into a residential treatment program, is the next best thing. So we decided to take a look at some of the sober houses that were out there and mainly some of the ones that were in association or uh, with the Alcohol Drug Addiction Services Board of Cuyahoga County, the Adams Board. And we took a look at some of these sober houses and reached out to them and shared with them about our program uh, that we were piloting here at St. Vincent's. Um, and what we found out is that each and every last one of them was very interested in what we had to offer. But we couldn't work with them all. We could only work with a handful, and that's what we did. So what are the preliminary results? I'm glad you asked that question because uh, in the 25 years, Greg, that I've been working here, I mean, that I've been in the field, I've been here at St. Vincent's Charity Medical Center for the last 10 years, um, the results that we're seeing now is like something I've never seen before in my 25-year career. And when I talk about uh, interesting results, we're talking about a 100% success rate. Let me say that again, 100% success rate. And I know you're probably going to say that's impossible. Uh, It's not impossible. Because when you take a look at it, um, what are we asking people to do? We're asking people to come to an intensive outpatient program four days a week for three hours a day. We're asking them to come to the initial assessment, which takes about two hours for the assessment to be completed. We're also asking them to come to an aftercare program, which meets one day a week uh, for an hour and a half for approximately 8 to 12 weeks. And then we're asking them to come to a um, individual counseling sessions to at least two to three of those and five weeks of IOP. A lot of transportation there. That's a lot of transportation. So when you 
look at how much we're asking the client to do, it's important that we provide them with sufficient transportation to be able to come to all of these sessions and appointments uh, so we can have good outcomes with our, with our patients. So what would you say is the future of the program? What do you see as you look down the road? Well, what I see, Greg, is when this pilot is eventually over with, I see um, providing Uber rides for all, for all of our clients that are in our intensive outpatient programs, not just for the ones that are in the pilot program in the sober houses. Um, I see every client having the same opportunity. Why? Because having a 100% success rate where people, the 15 people that started the program, haven't missed an individual appointment, hasn't missed the day of IOP, hasn't missed the aftercare session, haven't even missed the initial appointment, that shows us what if you offer this to more people than just the ones in the pilot program in the sober houses? What do you think the outcome will be? It's already here. We already know what the outcome is going to be. It's going to be 100% or in that range of people who won't miss a day. So what we would like to see do us, us do here at St. Vincent's is look for more funding, more funding sources. You know, the Adams Board has been very, very generous to us, but we know that there are, there are other funding sources is out there. And if they're listening to this podcast today and, and they happen to have a few dollars, a couple nickels, and they would like to contribute to something worthwhile to help stop the opiate epidemic and help people get into treatment and successfully complete treatment, and knowing that having Uber rides to and from treatment, that people aren't missing days of treatment, I'll be willing to put my nickels there. And how would they go about doing that, Orlando, if they wanted to donate to this program and put their money to work that way with your Uber program? Well, as earlier, Tom Olmstead mentioned that you could contact him at his office uh, I believe you have the number. Maybe we can, you can mention that number again at the end of the program. Sure. Uh, if they wanted to reach out to me, they could email me at orlando.howard at stvincentcharity.com, all one word, or they can contact me at area code 216-241-6768. And one thing I want to say also, Greg, is that in the 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous, our clients say they go to meetings and they talk about working the program one day at a time. Not a month at a time, not a year at a time, one day at a time. In this program at St. Vincent Charity Medical Center, Rosary Hall, when Tom talked about 1,700 miles is what we've logged with these clients. It's amazing. It's amazing. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. So we're going to do this one mile at a time. Just like one day at a time, one mile at a time. That's great. That works. And you've had people now across the country that have inquired about it, haven't you? Absolutely. My phone has been ringing and my emails uh, have been lighting up and people have been calling because right now what we're trying to do, as you know, with your son, Sam, um, who you lost to this terrible opiate addiction, we're trying to keep people alive. That's their number one goal right now. We're trying to keep them alive long enough to get them into treatment. And if that means providing Uber rides to get people from their place of residence 
to the treatment facility safely, uh, not stressed out, we believe that we're going to make a dent uh, in the opiate uh, epidemic, and we're going to make a dent in providing appropriate, appropriate treatment for people so that when they leave treatment, they leave with a sense of dignity and respect. Outstanding. Well, Orlando, I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you, Greg. We've been visiting with Orlando Howard, Rosary Hall's Manager of Outpatient Treatment Services. Orlando is leading the effort to implement the Free Uber Ride initiative here at St. Vincent Charity Medical Center. Next, we'll visit with Angela, one of the first participants in the Free Uber Ride program. So, Angela, welcome. Thank you. So let's start off by, from your perspective, tell us a little bit about your story and then maybe um, some of the challenges that you faced when it came to transportation in particular and treatment. But let's start with your story. Okay. Well, like I said, my name is Angie, and I was born in Trumbull County, Ohio. Um, I started using drugs when I was about 13 years old, and I, I did them here and there until I was about 16, and that's when I got really out of control. By the time of 18, I first started putting myself into treatment centers, going to AA meetings, because I didn't want to live that way no more, but I didn't really know no other way. I couldn't stop. And um, I faced a lot of issues getting, getting where I needed to go. You know, when I was using, I lost my license, I lost my car, I lost my job. You know, my whole life was focused on those drugs, and that's the only thing that I cared about. So when it came time to try to get the help that I needed, I had no way to get there. And it, it was nearly impossible. So that led to me being in and out of IOP detox. You know, I would go to IOP for a couple sessions, and then I would just drop out because I had no way for, of trans, transportation to get where I needed to go. And eventually I would end up using again. Um, I came to Cleveland back in 2013, and I got sober, and I stayed sober for a couple years, but I ended up relapsing, and this time I came to the Julie Adams house, they started the IOP program. That's not something that they had before, and that's how I got to Rosary Hall, and that is actually the first time in my whole life I've ever completed an IOP program. Prior to this, I've never been successful at completing it. Mm. And transportation was one of the big reasons why you weren't successful in treating it. Oh, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Okay. It definitely was. Tell us how you found Rosary Hall then. Tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, well, like I said, um, I live in the Julie Adams house. And this time around, they decided to put us in IOP, which is new thing for them. Usually mm. we would just sit in groups during the day. And then once we got to the point where we were allowed to work... We would do that. Our manager, Tracy Barnes, decided to see if the IOP program would work. And she's having a higher success rate success rate with people staying sober and completing the house if they do attend IOP. So this is the, the where they sent me for the IOP. Okay. And it's going really well. Yes. I absolutely loved it here at Rosary Hall. You know, our house is based on a 12-step program, mm -hmm. and I Rosary Hall is the first IOP I've ever been to that bases 
their IOP on that same 12-step program. You know, that, that's what I need in order to stay sober, and I love how they incorporate that program into the IOP. So with the free Uber rides, let's talk specifically a little bit about those. When did you start doing those, and how do they work for you? Well, luckily, they provided them as soon as I started IOP, and they worked great. The ride was set up, and it would show up at our house in the morning and pick us up, bring us to IOP, and then after IOP, we would go meet with the lady who orders the rides home, and she'd give us the make and model of the vehicle that was picking us up, and we would go down, and they would show up and get us. It saved us from having to find rides or ride a bus where there's, you know, you deal with struggles of seeing people under the influence or drugs being around or waiting and people coming up to you, you know, the drugs are everywhere. And when you're first sober and you're trying to stay sober, it's hard to stay away from those. And with the Uber rides, you don't come into contact with all those things that you might come in contact with had you had to get your own ride or find a different way of transportation. And how's your comfort level with them? You know, you're hopping into a car with a complete, you know, stranger, the Uber driver. How's that work? I had a lot of, I didn't have any negative experiences at all, at all, actually. You know, it was me and a couple girls because there was a group of us from the house that came, I think five to be for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all got, you know, we would go up and they only had our first name. So we would say, oh, are you here for Angela? And he'd say, yeah, and we'd get in the car and they were all very friendly. We didn't have any issues with them at all. So describe that first Uber ride and how that felt to you. That was actually my first time ever being in an Uber. (laughs) So I was a little bit nervous. You know, it's something I'm not used to. I'm from the country, and we don't have Ubers and stuff so much out there. <laughs> but it, I really wasn't uncomfortable at all. You know, they explained to me here at Rosary Hall what was going to happen, how the ride was going to go, and it went very smoothly. So um, I really appreciate your spending time with us today to give us your perspective on uh, this brand-new program and this innovative program. Um, what advice would you have for others that would follow after you and follow in your footsteps? I would say don't give up. Give this a chance. There's, there's people and programs out there that will help us, that will do things like this, provide us with rides, and there's homes that we can go to to help us get sober and stay sober, and we don't have to live like that anymore. And The recovery is absolutely possible if we just reach out and ask for the help we need. Any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners about maybe your experiences with the opioid epidemic and what you've learned? I have been struggling with heroin and methamphetamine addiction since I was 12 years old and I'm now 33. I've watched many of my friends die from this. You know, it's it's so serious and it, it really is. I've said it before. It's a life or, or death fight out there. And it's, it's taking over our whole generation, and so many people don't realize that there actually is help out there. And there is a way to get sober and stay sober. Well, once again, thank you, Angie. really appreciate your time, and, and I admire how brave you are to put it out there and share with others, share your experiences in the hopes of helping others. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've been visiting with Angela. Angela is in treatment, and she is one of the first participants in the free Uber ride program from St. Vincent Charity Medical Center. 
and she's taking treatment at Rosary Hall. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.